0: Industry networking, market knowledge, expert speakers, these are the benefits of belonging to a trade association. If you work in or are interested in the protection market, then you should check out the Protect Association, which puts on numerous events each year attracting speakers from all spheres. My guest today is the chairman of the Protect Association. Here Steve tell the story of how the Protect Association evolved from a dining club for underwriters into a hub for networking, business development and marketing ideas. Listen to the challenges Steve has faced building an association offering high quality events which he describes as entertaining as well as educational. That's all right here in episode 24 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Hi, it's Roger Edwards here and you're listening to the podcast for providers and advisors looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of protection and finance. For each episode, you can find the show notes and links to things we talked about at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash mpaf. So let's get on with the show and prepare to be inspired. Welcome to the Empath Podcast. Before we get into Steve Devine and the Protect Association, I'd just like to thank you all for your support over the last six months. Producing this podcast has been a real pleasure for me, as well as a real learning experience. I've spoken to some amazing people, and I've genuinely taken a big idea from each of them. Marketing has never been more important in financial services. Providers have to tell more positive stories to regain public trust and to elevate their propositions higher than ever before. Advisors are using digital technology to produce excellent content to promote their own businesses. Remember the amazing podcast from Phil Knight and Pete Matthew or the documentary on baby boomers from Martin Bamford. And there's more exciting stuff on the way. If you'd like to appear on the Empath podcast to talk about your business model, a product development, or a marketing campaign, please get in touch. I'd love to talk to you. In fact, that's what makes podcasting so fulfilling, talking to a wide range of motivated people about their passions and their goals. Finally, if you enjoy the Empath podcast, please leave me a review on iTunes. It would really help push the show up the rankings and make it visible to more people. It only takes two minutes. Go to rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF and follow the links on the screen for reviews. If you could do that, I'd be so grateful. And now let's get into that interview with Steve Devine. So, let's get started. Today I'm talking to Steve Devine. Steve runs Devine Connections after spending many years in senior management roles in the general insurance and the protection insurance industry. He specialises in business development, PR and communications. Steve is also the chairman of the Protect Association, a trade body for protection insurance professionals providing networking, market knowledge and business development help. Steve says that the association helps keep him at the forefront of what is happening in the protection insurance market. He's very much a practitioner and his focus is on achieving results and adding value. So Steve, it's great pleasure to welcome you to the Empath podcast today.
1: Thank you very much, Roger. How are you? I'm not too bad for a Monday, thank you very much.
0: And uh, what the listeners won't know is we've had a few trials and tribulations trying <laughs> to set this call up. I think we've tried Skype, failed. We tried Google Plus, failed. And yeah. now we're back to Skype and things seem to be- be working.
1: What we won't do is set up our own IT business.
0: No I I, I think you're absolutely right there I I love it when I can phone the IT help desk it's just unfortunately today there wasn't an IT help desk to phone. (laughs) So Steve before we get into our main discussion today and we're going to talk about all sorts of things protection and also talk about the Protect Association let's find out a little bit more about you. Tell everyone about your background so that we can get to know you and find out
1: what makes you tick. Well, my background, I was born in Luton in Bedfordshire. Uh, Luton hasn't got the greatest reputation of places uh, to to originate from. I'm from an Irish background. I'm the oldest of seven children. Parents were from County Wexford in Ireland. And in fact, this weekend, it was, and I'll, I'll roll this into my little known fact about me, Roger, my nephew and, and godson uh, was fighting in the Sky Sports prize fighter thing on Saturday. OK. So we had all the family around, and he got through to the final, God bless him. Uh, he didn't win the final, he lost to another Irishman, but uh, it was a proud moment, actually, and he had, he had my dad's nickname uh, emblazoned on his shorts, which was... Uh, which was quite good. But yeah, born born in Luton, I lo- loved sport in general, um, but it was a fairly rough school. They wouldn't allow us weapons like hockey sticks or uh, <laughs> cricket bats, so we tended to play football or rugby. You um, could always
0: have tried using hockey sticks and cricket bats in the rugby match.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think a couple were smuggled in at some point. Um, In terms of business, I, I, I actually first started with my dad in the buildings, actually. He when my dad first came over to England, uh, he, he wanted to uh, pick a job that would pay the money that he wanted, so he picked the hardest job. So he picked a, a job called tacking, which is putting up plaster boards on the basis that you know none of the plasterers like doing it or anyone else, right. so that he could actually name his price. And, and that's the job that he did. And that was my first job. But after a couple of months, I realised that, especially with winter coming on, that a house with no windows or doors is actually colder than being outside. <laughs> so I gave up and took a fat and and took a, an office job. My first company actually was uh, General Motors, who at the time were the biggest company in the world. Okay, and they had uh, they had uh, offices in uh, Luton. I think there was twenty six thousand people there at the time, so it was huge. Uh, and I started with them as a sort of a finance apprentice. And uh, yeah, it, that's that's what you know, that's how I kicked things off you know looking at going around uh, the, the different departments in Vauxhall and finding out from the financial aspect how they ran you know I think that that was the finance side of it but and then I went into production control um, in the engineering side and that was you know that, that it's good background because it's it's about logistics and getting things in on time and but actually dealing with the you know the shop floor as well so uh, I, that put me in good stead you know what 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 happened was the 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 twist that got me into financial services was that I was looking I was got married and I was looking for a a new job and uh, I looked I found this place called Rainbow Countrywide and they were based in Leighton Buzzard in Bedfordshire and at the time. Uh, they wanted a credit controller, which is which is where I stepped in. At, at that time, the big the big uh, product that everyone was selling, uh, probably too hard, was uh, endowments, and uh, I I spent a lot of time collecting the uh, commissions on the endowments, and counted them and making sure that we uh, you know that everything was right. But Rainbow Countrywide, which started off as a you know a, a, a small uh, operation late in Buzzard actually turned into Hambro Countrywide which ended up the largest corporate estate agency in the UK and the section I worked in then was the Hambro Guardian Mortgage Services I got involved with a team that set up its own life company in Lidham under the auspices of GRE at the time I remember
0: I remember Hambro Guardian well and funnily you should mention Lidham because that's where I was born I can remember as a youngster skateboarding in that uh, multi-storey car park that they used to have in the GRE Headquarters Just behind Lytham train station
1: Yeah it's, it's amazing I mean I I loved Litham. I thought it was Typical England The tree lined avenues And uh, Wide streets And everything I, I loved going up there You know, It was always a pleasure When once Hamburg Garden Was set up I ended up Looking after the uh, general insurance division of Hambro Guardian Mortgage Services, and that was uh, a, a delegated authority scheme. I think it was Eagle Star to start with but for households, uh, and then we also took on uh, creditor insurance, so MPPI. Okay. So that that was the the start of uh, you know the the insurance connection, and then I spent ten years with them including a year as marketing manager for countrywide surveyors, which is is a challenge if you've ever tried to market surveyors. (laughs) And then it was sort of the last, it was the recession, sort of early 90s. I I went across to uh, Pinnacle, who were then the provider of the creditor insurance, and I I started working for them. Mm -hmm. lasted there sort of 15 years, the last seven of which I was the head of group corporate communications. So, fantastic time, actually, both with, Ambro Guardian, Mortgage Services, and and with Pinnacle. I mean, two companies that, you know, had long periods of extended growth and success. A good sort of grounding for me because I grew as a a person uh, and in positions as as well as experience. You know, I really enjoyed both of them.
0: Mainly focusing on the marketing and communication side as your k- career progressed, presumably I
1: think so. I started off in sort of sales and marketing, where I suppose that I was pinnacle's first salesperson uh-huh. but with you know two two sort of multi-million-pound accounts, sort of uh, the Halifax Building Society and Lloyd's TSB. But you know, at, at one stage when I moved across to the uh, communications role, there was a team of about sixty people in the sales department, and then plus support as well. So it, it grown like topsy.
0: And where did your career go from there, Steve? You you left to become a consultant, or were there some
1: other management I roles finished, after I that? I finished in two thousand eight with uh, with Pinnacle. I mean, uh, what 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 happened was that. Obviously, the the creditor market crashed, yeah, and that's another tale because obviously, in the role that I had, I was Pinnacle's representative on all the trade associations facing all the regulatory development that was happening. Also, trying to, you know, I was I I put it as I was sitting on the crow's nest. watching things come from uh, flooding from Canary Wharf in terms of what, how it might affect our market and yeah. and, our clients and just making sure that everyone was aware of it.
0: And and that sort of leads us into today's main discussion because after you left corporate life and you became a consultant, you also got involved with the Protect Association and that's what I'd really like to to explore with you today Steve is how the Protect Association came about and the role that you've played in its development now I've been very honoured to speak for the Protection Association on a couple of occasions, the last one was at your annual dinner just last September and I always find your meetings very welcoming and you go in there and people are absolutely eager to listen to what you say. You know, you, you can go to some presentations and some seminars and you'll stand up and do a speech and there's people sort of half asleep in the audience, other people checking their iPhones and Blackberries and some people just completely zoned out. But the Protect Association people just seem to genuinely lap up everything that the speakers say. So it's a very welcoming environment. So maybe tell us a little bit about the the Protect Association and, and where it started and how you became involved in it.
1: Sure. I mean, the, it goes back to my pinnacle days, and the uh, the association was actually a dining club for uh, the underwriters of creditor insurance. Right, um, and it was purely an underwriters club. And pinnacle used to host the protect website and organise the events. And in fact, one of the one of the guys I reported to. Was the Joint Managing Director of Pinnacle and he was, he was the founding chairman of of PROTECT. And I think it was 2003, uh, we've been dealing with GISC and also facing imminent FSA regulation. And I think he, I I saw the hospital pass coming, but when he, when he's your boss, you can't, (laughs) you can't actually drop the ball. So he said, well, how would you like to be chairman of PROTECT? So, uh, that was it. And that was in two thousand and three and i 'm actually delighted to say that you know I, I still am and uh, st- I still enjoy it. One of the things that I, I vowed to do once I was in control of it was to uh, to move it on and obviously you know uh, the creditor insurance market did crash uh, and there w- we always had a joke about you know our annual dinner being our last one the <laughs> last supper. but um We've 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 come through it, and what I've actively looked to do is change the constitution, and we change it to, in two significant places. Uh, the first time was we allowed distributors, uh, distributors, and anyone else actually that was interested or taking part or working in the protection market. We allowed them membership, and then the next change was, was that it was the whole protection market, mm-hmm. and so. We encourage anyone and everyone. And you look at the membership today, there will be law firms in there, there will be consultants, there will be distributors, there will be underwriters, there will be PR companies. And I think that's where you get that feeling, Roger, that mix, where it's all different. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, having moved away from being such a tight group into a, a wider group, and I think what I try and do is entertain. I, try, I know that there's elements that people uh, want to catch up on, you know, obviously regulation figures um, you know, fairly large in it for a lot of people. But there's also, you know, the sales and marketing, any new ideas, any new product. And to be honest, it, it can be anything that I think will add value. I mean, I've had a guy there that was a, an expert on the Alexander technique and, no, and things like this. And I think they're all sort of things that actually, when you're looking at rehabilitation and claims and things like that, that it all comes into play. You know, so I always I'm always looking for something different, someone that I think will add interest. And we always sort of restrict the speakers to about thirty minutes on, you know, on average. Sometimes it, it goes a bit over that, but I always think that even if someone's crashingly boring, you can survive twenty minutes. <laughs> well,
0: of course, the, uh, the the world famous TED talks that everybody raves about these days—it's I, I, I yeah. about twenty minutes, isn't it? They yeah. they, they, they and, and literally think, drag you off the stage if you overrun. I think. Yeah,
1: and I I, I think that's about right. I think you know that because obviously. You know, what you don't want is people to get up there and, and start pitching and, and, you know, just pushing their own products and services. I, I think that the fact that you're in front of people, you've got an audience's attention, should be sufficient. And, and if you're smart enough, you'll use a slideshow and you'll have all your contact details on them.
0: Obviously, seen that you've developed from the effectively a dining club and, and the way that you're structured now, you tend to meet It's about six times a year mainly it looks as if you have these sessions on fridays they start around about half past 10 and you have between six and eight presentations and then after that there's a three course lunch
1: basically that i mean what why fridays is is that i think fridays there's there's one sort of one really good reason is you can get them cheap on a friday yeah most hotels don't have conferences on Fridays. What I've done now is I've actually moved the meetings back an, an hour. So right. We won't start now until 10 to 11. Right. 4 to 11. So, it allows people, and, and someone gave me an example, um, he was travelling from York, and he said, well, if, if, if I can come, if I can arrive a, an hour later, I can travel on a faster train, um, and it costs me £50 less. Yes and you know we we do have i mean i think the other thing is that i i stress is the support we get is amazing because quite a lot of our our people are coming from leeds or manchester or bristol you know all over the place and i know london is probably the the easiest place to get into in the uk but it's still a long journey yeah and and i think you know i think they they set them, their mindset is that if, if they're going to take that journey and spend that amount of time out, they're going to get the most of it. And that's, that's where I think you get, you know, the energetic audience. That's where I think you get the enthusiasm as well.
0: So we've developed uh, the Protect Association from a dining club into, into quite, a, uh, in quite an elite group of people who get together very frequently to hear really interesting presentations on any subject from product development, marketing, communications... Just business development and a, and a great networking opportunity over over lunch and, and, and at the annual dinner as well. But did you face any particular challenges transforming Protect Association from its origins to the organisation that you have now? Tell us about that story, Steve.
1: It wasn't as hard as it might appear. Actually, I think it, it was uh, pushing on an open door because, as as the credit as our sort of core creditor market crumbled. Providers and distributors have to think of other products to sell.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So they they went into uh, other markets and they started going into household and pets and uh, and other niche type products. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not, Protect is not all about insurance either. We've got members that don't sell insurance. Right. They they sell non-insurance, you know, products and services. So that diversification, it, it came naturally really because obviously the creditor market is a small band i think there was only ever 26 underwriters to start with right in total so you know it was fairly small so you know i I just thought for from a, a marketing point of view we just had to sort of widen our base uh and and that's you know i think it's worked i mean sometimes you feel as if you're fighting hard to stand still because obviously you people will drop off and, and members come and go, but I think that you know the core has stayed really strong. It stayed with us actually. I think the model,
0: the model that you've got must be must be very popular because you have grown as time's gone by. And, and let's face it, there's quite a lot of competition for this sort of thing. I mean, yeah. some people will say, well, there's the ABI, there's ILAG. Why do we need the Protect Association? What, what do you say uh, when people start questioning your place amongst the, uh, the other organisations?
1: Well, I think wh- where, where I've positioned it is, is that I've kept us at very much value-added. And in terms of uh, spend, you know, our memberships are very cheap. I mean, the, the company membership, you know, is £400 per annum and, and also the individual membership, which is something that I personally uh, push in because I think that, you know, and I've been in that situation myself where, you know, I'm a one-man band. I'm not a, I'm not a corporate. I can't afford a lot of money. I certainly can't afford to attend some of the industry conferences that are out there. It's, Probably my only opportunity is, is by speaking at them rather than uh, rather than paying the, the, the fee. Mm-hmm. So you know I think that that's that's helped us keep our feet on the ground. Really, you know we, we we're looking to provide value for money. We're looking to support people that fall in and out of work as well. I mean you know you can be a consultant. It doesn't mean that you're fully employed every day of the week. So you know keeping it keeping it at those sort of rates for, for membership and then charging the delegate fee of £80, which covers all the refreshments and, and the lunch as well, I just think represents good value for money.
0: I think it, it appeals, you've already said self-employed people, smaller companies, consultants, and you do have quite a strong focus on added value, as you say, talking about marketing and communications. One of the subjects that continually comes up on the Empath podcast is the desire, particularly amongst advisor firms, to develop their businesses. Most financial advisors aren't marketeers. They're not business developers. They are just that. They are advisors. That's what they do. They're brilliant at it. And it seems to me that the Protect Association fits into that need that a lot of smaller businesses have in this day and age to use the modern technology that we've got all around us with the internet, social media, online marketing, to develop their businesses and to come along and listen to people tell them master classes in 30 minutes, in 40 minutes at your events, how these things can transform their businesses and help them to grow.
1: Yeah, well you know, as a case in point, our Next meetings on the 16th of January. I put the focus on communication, and we've got uh, Simon Ryan of Social Advisors and they, you know, they, they specialize in, in, in IFAs and intermediaries in terms of uh, social media. We've got Alan Newman, who's uh, I don't, you must have come across him. I thought Roger.
0: Oh, Alan Alan and I tried to do a podcast last week, but we had even more technical trouble than you and I did this morning. So that that one's been rearranged for next week, hopefully. And Simon Ryan, of course, has been on the podcast as well. Simon's a great advocate of social media.
1: Yeah, but we've also got a guy called Nick Baker from Bakehouse Communications. Uh, We've got um, the two guys that worked on the New Protect website, which I'm delighted with. And then... Finally, we've uh, a bit of a not not so much communication, but we've got uh, guys from the FLA, Richard Bostock and James Marquette talking about the um, recent meeting they had with uh, the FCA on gap insurance. Uh-huh. So, you know, there's a bit like everything. Like I try and uh, arrange it, there's a bit in there for everybody.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned Simon Ryan there because, um, as I said, I've had a lot of conversations with him about social media and, and blogging and that sort of thing. I came across a financial services institution and, of course, I won't say who they are, but I found out that they have an internal turnaround time of 48 hours to approve a tweet.
1: Uh, I, saw, I saw that, I, uh, I looked at that this morning, that was unbelievable
0: and, 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 uh, and uh, when the guy told me this I said just, just back up a second there, just repeat that and he said you know literally we have a 48 hour turnaround on a tweet and and I honestly had to w- roll my <laughs> jaw back in and you, you, you cannot be serious, I mean social media forty eight seconds might be too long in uh, to reply <laughs> yeah, that, that and, does
1: seem that does seem incredible and, and and it's 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 not social media as I know it and not as you know it, no,
0: absolutely right but I think the problem is is that we have this ingrained fear that's sometimes built into the financial services industry we've got fear of compliance we've got fear of legal we've got people who want to check how we say things. Mm. Somebody like Simon Ryan coming along to a meeting full of people at the Protect Association is just going to brush all of that aside and say, look, social media is so important, it's an important part of your whole corporate strategy and your marketing strategy you cannot afford to start thinking you need to put practices in place like this and I think you have a g- good opportunity for people to listen to people who've lived and breathed things like social media, there are people out there who can we can learn from and, and, and that's what I like about the Protect Association program is the variety that you bring to the
1: table Well thank you, for, thank you for that and um, you know, um, it's nice to be appreciated Roger I, I do try I and mean, a lot of it is just down to People that I know, or people that I've heard, or people that have been recommended, I always encourage members to you know to take part as well. Last year we introduced a members slot, you know, where people that don't necessarily get the prominence that they should because they they've got a good business proposition or. Uh-huh you know, a good range of services. So I'm always encouraging that as well because I think that, you know, the networking is so important as well for people. Not not just in terms of selling stuff to other people or, or chasing prospects, but also just finding out what's going on or what can be done or what's possible, what's, you know, what, where the next trick is. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I've I always opened my eyes. That I'm, a, I'm an old man now, but I, I still want to learn something new every day
0: and talking about big ideas and learning what's the one thing that you would like people who have been listening to this edition of the podcast to take away from the experience that you've had building the protect association
1: well, the number one thing is I'd like to come and join <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I should have guessed that one.
1: <laughs> don't, yeah, don't take my word for it. Come and come and find out for yourselves and you know, all I can do is is, is be out there and, and hope that the word spreads. But one of the one of the biggest things that's happened for a long while is the um is the fact that personal finance is on the school curriculum for the first time yes. since I think it's September this year. I think that's so important, Roger. Yeah. yeah. I think that, you know, all this talk about protection gaps and people not understanding or appreciating protection insurance or whatever it is, but I think, you know, with the the widest picture, it's about people appreciating, you know, risk, people appreciating what they should be thinking about in terms of, not just insurance, but savings and and, and anything else they can put in place to uh, look after themselves and their families, and I think that, you know it's got to start young and it it might take decades and generations to, to work through but what i don't want to see happen is that we waste the opportunity that people think because it's on the school curriculum that you know it, it's on there we've done the job the job hasn't been done at all and and quite often i know i've got kids that are teachers and i i know quite often it's the kids that are actually informing the parents as to uh, how they might improve things. So I, I think that's vitally important to, you know, to to seize on this opportunity to educate people, to make the right decisions.
0: And I think that that, that goes forward, doesn't it, into, into careers as well. And I like to think that as a marketeer, yes, there's a lot of promotion involved in marketing and we're ultimately wanting people to buy something, whether it's a you know, a a glass of coke or a or a life insurance policy. The aim is to get people to like what you're doing and, and to make a purchase, but I do like to think that marketing is more about education than it is about promotion, and I think if you have that mindset that you are trying to teach people and educate them about your products rather than just forcing it down their throats, then ultimately what you achieve is, is better all round
1: Well, that, that's very much my mantra, Roger, that's, that's the way I pitch it, in fact, I went to... Uh the Open University had a, a conference on um, personal finance recently, and Professor Sharon Collard is going to appear in our March for Tech meeting. Okay. And, you know, we always encourage academics or people from consumer groups. It's not just the industry. And I think one of the problems that we have as a, as a financial services industry or an insurance industry is we have far too many silos, yes, and we all operate within these silos, and you know we all have our own little worlds and our own little markets and, and really, we should be looking at the, you know the big tapestry, the big picture, and where we fit into it. There are worlds within worlds, and I'd, I'd like to unlock that and, and unlock some of the mysteries that prevail.
0: However hard we try, up until this point, we still have this issue that the consumer doesn't particularly like the financial services industry and they probably dislike the protection element of it the most. And even it's bad
1: though, news, isn't it? Yeah. I, mean, I, I sat on the simple products team uh-huh. we try to get a protection product in there, but... The simple answer, Roger, is this protection isn't simple.
0: It isn't. It isn't. And it's, and, and it's, it's doom and gloom, as you say. And, yeah. and, and I think that the bad news stories still pervades, so the the consumer still hears about the declined claims, still hears about underwriting delays, still hears about intrusive questioning... We, they're not hearing the positive stories. And you must—you obviously speak to lots of people from different persuasions throughout the um, protection industry in, in your role at the Protect Association. What do you think that we could do as an industry, as a financial services industry, to make protection and finance wider, I suppose, more accessible and indeed acceptable to more consumers? What do we need to do?
1: Well, I think, I think that going back to my earlier point about the um, personal finance education, yeah, I think it's got to start there, and it's got to start with uh, the, the younger people in society. have mm-hmm. got, to, you know, i said years ago quite glibly that we've got to make insurance cool. Yes, I don't know if "cool" is still the word, right word now, but you, you know what I mean. Absolutely and I, and right. And I think you know we've got to do that. we, we we've got to. Uh, uh, we've got to ingrain, not ingrain, ingrain it, but we've got to open their minds up to the, to the point where we'll actually, you know, how will we look ourselves if something goes wrong? And, you know, what are the chances? Now, you know, there is a very good case is now with the regulator where they're not actually bothered about policy documents or what it says they 're actually bothered whether it's value for money bothered about whether people can claim on their policy yeah yeah they're actually bothered well, and all the thing about treating customers fairly what it's all about is trust and putting the trust in an organization and i think that that's the onus that's going that, that, that the industry's got to pick up is that you know, its customers have got to trust it. And when you look at the amount of FCA fines that are going on, what would you trust the financial services industry?
0: However hard we try, we're just got to try even harder.
1: Exactly. And I think you know, all you can do is is lead by example.
0: Steve, thank you so much for coming on the po- podcast uh, this afternoon it's been great to talk to you fascinating to hear how you've effectively transformed what was originally just a dining club for underwriters into a, a talking shop and presentation event environment where people can share sales ideas, marketing ideas, PR business development and of course the most important thing networking so that they can keep up to date with current trends and what's happening in the industry. I would recommend recommend anybody to come to one of your events to give it a try and and after that hopefully join the protect association and before we get to the end of the podcast i'll give the opportunity to tell everybody where they can contact you but i always like to finish the empath podcast with four quick fire business questions are you happy to stay just for a few more minutes just to answer those yes excellent If there was one thing that you could change about the financial services industry, perhaps by waving the proverbial magic wand, what would it be?
1: I think uh, it it goes back down to what I was saying about the silos, Roger. I would break down all the silos. What's
0: the one business model or product or campaign that caught your attention in the last year? Tell us what it was and what you liked about it.
1: Seven families, definitely. It's Thinking outside the box, it's, it's about real people, real lives. I think it's fabulous.
0: Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your life or your business. <laughs> Skype, say, probably, say, probably Skype. On all the trouble it's caused us this morning, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to settle for my uh, Ping G, G25s. Um, they're the most consistent thing in my life. It's the, just a pity about the guy that, hold, that that holds the handle.
0: And what's that?
1: My golf clubs.
0: Oh, right, of course. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And finally, what's the best business book you've ever read? Tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it.
1: I'm not a great reader of business books, to be honest, Roger, but I did get involved with a, a friend of mine, a personal family friend, uh, actually wrote a book. He's a leadership coach, and his name's James Schooler. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually spoke at Protect as well Okay. Um, when when the book was first launched. And it's called... The three levels of leadership, and it's a it's a fantastic book. It's about you know executive uh, leadership. But James James walks the talk. He's a he's an international or he was an international MD. He you know he's into his like yourself. He's into martial arts and Uh uh, all sorts of stuff, and he 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 does meditation and everything. He's a very you know fantastic guy, very intense, but he means every word that he says, and. I actually helped him do the PR, and it was fascinating for me to actually, mm-hmm. you know, find out another industry that I could, you know, relate to the media and try and get um, his his book, um, you know, on the on the book stands. I would recommend it to anyone. It's I read it and, and I had to read it for PR purposes, but actually it shook me up. Right. Because it's all it's knowing about your inner self and, and knowing what you are and what you aren't, and it, it's <laughs> it's quite cruel. When you have to you know, ask yourself the difficult questions,
0: being cruel to be kind, I presume.
1: I think so, and also, but as a leader, you need to know what your what your frailties are. So, you yeah, know, I, I I found that a very good read, and would recommend it. Definitely seems like one to check
0: out. And what I'll do, Steve, as always, is I'll put the links to the book and other things we've talked about in the show notes for this mm-hmm. podcast, and you can find that at uh, rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash empath. Before we go, Steve, I'm sure there are people who are going to want to get in touch. With you to talk about the Protect Association, or hopefully even talk about some uh, PR or um, development consultancy you could do for them. So let's finish off. You tell everyone how they can contact with you either on Twitter, LinkedIn, Google Plus, or wherever it is, and of course your website.
1: Okay. Well, for me, as the PR uh, company is uh, it will be Steve. The email will be Steve at DivineConnections.co.uk. My Protect email is Steve.Divine at Protect. ACI.org.uk my mobile is 07870901909105 and Twitter at Steve T Divine and LinkedIn Stephen Divine.
0: Steve, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's always a pleasure to come to the Protect Association to speak. And now, of course, having just joined, I'm looking forward to the first uh, meeting as a member in January. Let me wish you every success for the future, and I'll see you in January at the next Protect Association meeting.
1: Thanks very much, Roger, and we need to fix up a time where you're going to actually speak at a meeting as well.
0: We'll do that, definitely.
1: Thanks very much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast, also known as the Empath podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash for links to the apps and books and topics we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, I'd be grateful if you would leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a comment. If you are a provider, advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model that you want to talk about, do please get in touch. I'd be delighted to have you as a guest on the Empath Podcast. And before we go, just to remind you that nothing that my guests and I talked about on the show is intended to be financial advice of any kind. It's just our thoughts and opinions, okay?